Hey, good morning. It's Friday. It's Friday morning. It's Good Friday, and uh, it's good to be with you today on this uh, misnamed day, uh, Good Friday. I went. Um, it is not a, a good day. It's a dark day. It's a day to remember um, what sin does, um, because sin is what um, calls Jesus to go to the cross. The sin of Adam and Eve, um, and then through that, our sin as well. So this is a dark day. Um, one of the most powerful moments of our Thursday night service is when we strip the church. And so usually our church is, has a lot of colors in it, the banners on the wall, the pyramids on the altar, the stoles that I, that I wear, and things such as that. And today you'll come into the church for our Good Friday service, and it'll just be dark, blank, empty. The colors have been removed. They will not return until Easter Sunday morning. It's always a powerful visual to me to have all of these things taken out of the church at the end of the Monday, Thursday service. So today is, today is Good Friday. Um, one of the more powerful services I've ever been a part of on Good Friday is a service that a friend of mine did in, um, in Quitman. It was um, uh, the seven last words of Jesus. We would look at the seven last words of Jesus. And we would he bring in different preachers, and we'd all look at one of his last phrases, and then we would have a brief reflection upon it. It was a very, very powerful service. But today, I want I want to look at one of the seven last phrases of Jesus, the last one of the seven last words, and hopefully add a little bit of fuller context to it, and give it a little bit more meaning, um, and hopefully maybe even leave you with some encouragement today, um, based on this uh, on this dark day. But I want to read to you today from um, we're gonna. Uh, Go old school. We're going to look look at two different things. First, we're going to look at um, the actual word of Jesus, which is going to be um, Matthew 27, 45 and 46. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land till three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabathia, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of Jesus' last phrases upon the cross. Why did he say that? Why did Jesus Christ, the very second person of the Trinity, the very Son of God, God incarnate, true God from true God, true God, light from light, eternally begotten, not made of one substance with the Father. Why did he at this moment say that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, there's a lot of a lot of thoughts, um, and I think there's truth to all of them. Um, one of them is the fact that in this moment, in this moment, Jesus felt the full weight of the darkness and the sin wrapped around him. The Bible says uh, he, the, the iniquities of all of us were placed upon him. So in this moment, Jesus was dying. He was he was atoning for and paying for. All sin, the sin that I've committed, the sin that you've committed, this at that moment, the sin that had been committed up to that point, the sin being committed at that point, the sin that was going to be committed, Jesus was atoning for all of the sin, all the darkness, and not just the the little things, the big things, the dark things, the things that are unspeakable. Jesus was atoning for those as well, all of the. Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of people who have lived 
all the billions and billions and billions and billions of sins that have been committed. He was atoning for him, for them all. And he felt in that moment the full weight of that sin. And that's a darkness. That's a very heavy darkness. And I think that full heavy darkness perhaps cast darkness upon Jesus. It felt, made Jesus feel that darkness in a very heavy way. And that's a scary and a frustrating thing. And so I think that may be one reason why he said that. That's actually not the reason I think he said it, though. I think there's another reason. And I want to read to you this morning from Psalm 22. I'm not going not to read all of it, just the first and the last of it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hmm, does that sound familiar? Why are you so far from helping me in the in, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry to you by day, but you do not answer. And by night, you do not find rest. And but at night, but you find no rest. And on, then I want to um, continue. Where it says... Um, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Sound all of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor me and the, the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me when I when I cried, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. The vows I will pay before those who fear men. The poor shall eat be satisfied. Those who seek him shall be praised forever. My heart lives forever. Posterity shall serve him. Future generations will be told about him and proclaim the deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying he has done it. I believe that when Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22. As I've said to you before, the Psalms are like the hymnal to the Jewish people. So, if I were right now were to say to you, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Something inside of you is going to repeat back to me that saved a wretch like me. We know the words to Amazing Grace. You know, when we've been there how many years? I mean, you know the words. We sing the song a lot. You know it. That's what the song for the Jewish people. So when Jesus would have said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Jewish audience around him would have understood that, that was the first line of Psalm 22. Just like Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, the first line to Amazing Grace, or 4,000 tongues to sing, Be Thou My Vision. These are first lines of familiar songs, hymns, that we all know, that we would all be able to basically know the lyrics to. I know most of the lyrics to after that first line. So what to us here sounds like a cry of agony and of defeat. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Jewish audience around here would have heard quite differently because they would have heard Psalm 22. And they would have heard he did not despise her poor, the affliction of the afflicted. Posterity shall serve him. Future generations shall be taught about him. I will I, I, I will tell your name to a people not yet born, saying he has done it. Psalm 22. Is actually a psalm of victory. Because in Psalm 22, the psalmist is telling the audience how God will bring the victory. 
and God will bring delivery, and God will bring salvation to a people not yet born. Psalms 22 is an actually, it starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It, it comes from a place of darkness and of sadness and of hurt, but it ends in a place of victory because this victory will be delivered and people who have not yet been born will know the goodness and the salvation of God. This is a song of victory, not a, this is a song, this is a psalm of victory, not a psalm of defeat. So I think in many ways, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't announcing defeat, but he was announcing victory. For he was saying that through this act, through the cross, and through what is to come in the coming days, a people not yet been born, who have not yet been born will know the goodness of God. And people will praise him for generations to come. And delivery will come to all of God's people. And God will gather them back together. And God will bring victory. And God will bring will bring joy. And God, and God will bring life. That this may look like a defeat in the moment. But in all actuality, it is the, big, it is the complete victory of our God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is the first line of a psalm of victory. So I think in this moment, Jesus is actually declaring the victory of God over the devil and over the forces of evil through the cross. So yes, I do believe he felt the darkness. I do believe there was great weight and great sin and great hurt all clinging to Jesus at this moment. I do believe that. But I think in the end, Jesus Christ was declaring the victory and the overcoming of God in this moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. A psalm that says those who have not yet been born will be told of the goodness and the victory of our God. I think in this moment, Jesus is declaring to all and that God is one. And I think the Jewish audience gathered around would have understood that quote from Psalm 22. And they would have known where the psalm was going and they would have known the victory that Jesus was declaring. So it looks dark. Today feels dark. It is, and that's okay. It's okay to it's okay to know the darkness today. It's okay. It's okay to to really stop and ponder, and reflect upon sin does what what sin does. But I think, I think even in the dark, even in this darkness, even in the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even in that, we see the victory in the goodness of God. Pray you have a good Friday today. Pray he gives you a day of. Reflection and pondering and somberness. We need this to get ready for Easter. Sunday's coming. I'd love for you to worship with us at St. Matthew's. Find more on our website. Sunday's coming. But it's okay to reflect today upon what sin has done. May you have a holy Good Friday. See you. See you Sunday. <laughs>